You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! Welcoming back to the podcast is published author Peter Smith. <laughs> hey man, how, how you been? Huh? Self-published. Self-published author. Self-published. Why? Why? Why the distinction? Because um, I, I have confidence issues. Oh, okay. Is that, is that it? That, that 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 that's it. That's it. Yeah, confidence issues. It's the it's the only child syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it's the only child. there you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know. It's 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 great to talk to you again, and you know, uh, coming back here to talk about uh, the Spire novels. Uh, last time you were on, you were talking about it's just it was just called Spire. The first one is called Spire, or the one that we talked about was Spire and Apocalypse Dawn. We brought that one up a couple. We did bring it up a little bit more. I I hadn't read read that one at that point, but we did we did talk about, and that's more of what we're going to talk about this time. Apocalypse Dawn is now available on audiobook through Audible. And yep. uh, is there other places that it's available? Um, I've been told through ACX, which is the company that provides Audible their books, that it's on iTunes. Okay. Have I checked? No. No. Should I check? Probably. I mean, just just go to Audible. Everybody who listens yeah, to man, audiobooks, was, yeah. just go to Audible. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about Apocalypse Dawn in audiobook form uh, and then just catch up with you because it's been a while. You know, we're yeah, we're living yeah, through a pandemic right now. I miss you, Mitch. Did did you did you think about using pandemics when you were creating your post apocalyptic world? No, that's pretty much just post apocalyptic right there. <laughs> it's kinda like Nostradamus, you just throw out a bunch of shit and eventually someone's gonna stick. It's true. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's still a very good possibility we get robots or uh you know oh, I- Oh no! Go on, go on, go on. You know, a robot uprising or uh, AI, you know, kind of thing. Or one me- mega, mega maniacal, yeah, mega maniacal uh, dictator just deciding to stop everybody. Stop <laughs> yeah, everyone! That is actually a genuine concern of mine. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the stuff, I'm like, ah, eh, not gonna happen. There's not gonna be any like Skynet or horse crap like that. I'm, I'm actually legitimately worried about like some dictator or somebody like that being like. Time to liquidate the population. Don't need them no more. <laughs> oh, I laugh, but I cry inside. Okay. Because we're the population. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when you were thinking about uh, Apocalypse Dawn, like, why was it, what What was it about that particular story that made you want to write it? Um, I thought the spire was too big and I wanted to give that nice little entry level to anybody who wanted to get into the story. Um, I also wanted to make it a little more action oriented because most people, they can all comprehend the cerebral stuff. Most people, you give them that chance, they'll, they'll be able to get the, the heavier end stuff. And there's plenty of action in the spire, but, um, I wanted to give them that chance. I wanted to catch their attention first before I started going over all the big concepts. There are some big concepts in apocalypse Dawn, but I've kind of woven them in there. Um, the whole tribalism issue where, it's easy to turn us against each other. Um, uh, the the fear of automation with the robotics and then uh, how you bring down a country like us, like the United States is by dividing us and hitting us from multiple different uh, approaches. So, so I'm trying to introduce all that. So that you felt like Apocalypse Dawn was a better introduction to that for people who might have had issue inspire of Wrapping their heads around that, those kind of concepts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I literally just dump you straight into the the end of the world and <laughs> the spire. Like, there's a whole new universe. Everything's made up. Um, it's kind of like, like it's like watching Dune, and then you just get that floating head at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, is you just a little bit of backstory, and you're like, what the hell? There's 
worms that fart spice. I don't get this crap. What's going on here? That dude's got some weird like emo dress. I wanted to get past that and I wanted to create a bit of an explanation for how we got into the spire. And then it just kind of morphed from there. Did, did this come as a result of any feedback you got from the spire? Yeah. In general feedback from people. Okay. Uh, but mostly is I'm reading through it and I'm comparing it to other books. I'm comparing it to other writings too. And I take, I take everyone's feedback into consideration and the stuff that I'm experiencing at the time. The stuff that tends to sell better is a little bit more action oriented, especially when it comes to the apocalyptic genre. Mm-hmm. They usually want their death and the destruction pretty quick. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you got to hit those beats early so that you capture oh. people's attention. That's understandable. Exactly. And in fact, the entire reason why the Spire has that first scene that's really action oriented is because of that as well. People need that action. They need that destruction right off the bat. And, that's why Miller's there. <laughs> I'm sorry again, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry. It, it did exactly what it needed to do. So, uh, Oh, hey, um, when you get the chance to read the third one, um, uh-huh. I left a nice little Easter egg in there for you. <laughs> Based off of your feedback on the Spire. Based off my feedback, my personal yeah. feedback. Okay. Yes, there's well, a nice little middle finger for you right in there. <laughs> <laughs> so when... A loving middle finger. When though. the third book, which have you announced the title to that? Oh, that's Absolution. That one already came out. So it already came out. Yeah. Okay. So people can go out and read Absolution and know that I directly influenced yes. one of the chapters in, <laughs> in Absolution. <laughs> there you go. It's a middle finger of love, Mitch. I, I, I assume so. <laughs> When you were it's toward the end, so you have to read through. I didn't put that thing at the beginning. That's toward the end. Oh, I, I get it. Nice I understand. <laughs> I mean, it's only payback for all the things that I've done to you throughout our friendship. You have been nothing but awesome throughout I mean, our friendship. I mean, there's been some pretty interesting uh, situations that I've put you in, so we can we, we can keep it at that. <laughs> and if I didn't enjoy those situations, they wouldn't have happened. <laughs> If you say so, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I presented them. You went hey, through. Hey, hey, that dress was breezy and comfortable. <laughs> or no, it wasn't a dress. It was a nighty. There you go. That that yeah. that nighty was very breezy. So there you and go. And we should honestly just leave it there because your listeners are going to be scratching their heads now, wondering <laughs> what the hell we're talking about. This is also true, and hey. you know what? That's that's fine. They should also be scratching their heads about what what are we talking about. Exactly, a little bit of mystery. It keeps the audience keeps them in keeps French, them on their toes. Interested. Yeah, yeah, on the toes. There you go. <laughs> Did you think that there was going to be any issue with uh, turning the story into an audiobook? Like, would would it play out well uh, in that media or in that medium um, as opposed to on paper? I am so freaking new at writing. I was just worried that it was it wasn't going to make any sense that. Um, I've started getting more reviews now just in general. So I, I know that I'm able to write clearly, but up until that point, it was mostly just feedback from friends and family, a couple of coworkers. I just thought everyone was kind of shining me on. So I was worried that the, the fluency of the sentences, that the, the writing in general just wouldn't work. But it, it, I, I mean, I guess I'm being self-centered, but I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so um, no, it was, that went pretty well. Um, I've never made an audiobook before, so having to figure that all out too, finding a narrator slash producer, it's really rare that people who are new in their writing career can find someone who's willing to actually go through and create an audiobook for them and take that risk because they got to pony up a little bit of cash to begin with. And what was it like going through and trying to, I mean, I assumed you got a cavalcade of, uh, um, voices to pick from before you. No, I got one. Just one. <laughs> one. Like they just. Said, he is awesome. He does a great job. But there was you. You didn't have a like uh, the option to choose a different voice. You know, maybe I would have, but um, the first I'd one they sent up, you. What was that? Was it the first one they sent you, and you were just like, "This is great." Oh no, no. They, oh, what happens is you um, you go on to ACX. Um, they're the service that basically manages all the creation. Well, not manages the creation, but they're, they're like the clearinghouse for this stuff. They help authors find um, voice talent or they help the authors to create their own audiobooks. Um, and then they make sure that it gets distributed to like iTunes and mostly Audible mm-hmm. and the other major services. So what happens is you put either 
you either directly put your narrated materials on there that you did or that you paid somebody directly to do, or you can go ahead and put your um, manuscript on um, ACX and then any narrators that are looking for jobs can then go on to there, sample your work, and they can decide if they want to, So in which case they submit a, a quick little sample of the actual work itself to you to listen to. Um, I have... I'm, I'm in the author communities online. So when you're listening to these guys, and you're talking to these guys, they're usually like, you get ignored. You're like the plague if you're a brand new author and you try to create an audiobook using ACX. People usually don't come bother with you. So when that guy um, put his name in, um, his name is Matthew Crow, by the way. It's awesome audio, um, awesome narrator. Um, when he put his name in and he gave me the sample, I was pretty smitten. Um, I had one more person I was working with over at my previous work that was interested in it as well. Um, but when he fell through or wasn't able to do it, um, I, I didn't want to take the chance that I would offend this guy. I probably could have waited longer, but no, nah, he, he was, he did his, he had a solid audition and he had a decent backlist at the time too. So no, it, I didn't wait too long. I probably could have gotten more, but I didn't want to risk it. Okay. So, I assume there is some like legal ease that you you that either you or ACX puts up that like says mm-hmm. whatever you you submit is yours and like it can't be stolen like if it yeah. is stolen by because you're leaving it open for anybody to read or at least a snippet of it so that they can send sure. it back to you so uh, like how how was that was it a pretty easy process was that a yeah, um, you, you go through and you review. You make sure you got your account information all set up um, with bank accounts and all that fun stuff too and tax information because you got to pay the tax man. Um, but then with uh, yeah, the legal part, it, it's it's your paper, it's your not, or I'm sorry, it's your intellectual property. Um, they You submit the material on ACX or you can email it directly to the producer. Uh, honestly, not too worried about... If you do have any new people, if you have any people that want to be authors that are listening to the podcast and they're worried about people stealing their work, don't. Nobody gives a crap about your work, honestly. <laughs> Nobody gives a crap about my work right now because I'm still too new. Right. Um, the people who read my books enjoy them for the most part. I do get the occasional Karen that pops up in the me- or in the um, comments. You tell her hi. You say hi to say hi to hi hi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nobody can see what I'm seeing right now, but nope, they can't. But I, I did, and I wanted to be nice and polite and not rude. Sorry, uh, squirrel. Um, no, so but you had some people, some people in the comments. Yeah, in the comments, and that's fine. Uh, sometimes it's valid too. Um, but no, for the most part, nobody cares about you as a new writer. So don't worry about people stealing your crap. Um, so just get it, make that damn thing, take the risks. I mean, if Matthew Crow stole my stuff, which he didn't and he wouldn't, what am I out? I'm not like, I'm not James Patterson. I'm not uh, Mark Dawson or uh, Craig Allenson, the guy I'm currently listening to on audiobooks. He's the guy who writes the Expeditionary Force series. That guy makes millions of dollars a year. For him, it would make sense for somebody to steal his crap. So, no, yeah, you, you, you do the usual legalese thing. And if they do screw you over, you can always go and try and get them banned from ACX. And they can do the same thing to you because there are some authors that are just crap heads and they're pain in the ass to work with, too. So okay. it goes both ways. All right. I, I just wanted to make sure that anybody that was interested in it and, like, isn't worried. I mean, yeah, you're right. Everybody, every idea is out there and is being used or being reused or whatever but like a wait a second you're telling me i'm the first person i'm not the first person to come up with killer robots you're not and a plague nope and uh an eco a crazy eco guy who wants to set the world back to zero nope what Sorry. the hell man? <laughs> come on dude i mean what? it's unfortunate but uh <laughs> it's it's all about how we tell those stories and how we exactly. retell those stories so uh, yeah, just anybody that is super worried about that, you know, do whatever you can to protect yourself, but your story has to get out there so that you can yeah, have, risk. It, have it be produced. So take the risk, take the risk. Take what was, what was the most interesting fact or, uh, challenge, you know, going into getting your book turned into an audiobook? Um, me realizing what I needed to do in order to get my book turned into an audiobook. Um, 
you really, 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 really need to, you have, if you're going to do this, if you're actually going to become an author, you, you have to approach it like a business. Um, and you have to understand that you are the, well, well, hell, I mean, you know, this, you are basically running a business right now. And if you have somebody else do something for you, you got to go through and double check that crap. Because if you don't, something's going to go wrong and nobody cares about your stuff as well as you do. So I had my books edited and my editor did a decent job, but they missed a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. And I assume that it was done not perfectly. Nobody be perfect, but I thought it was done well. So when I submitted this thing, this finished polished manuscript to Matthew Crow, he ran into a whole bunch of sections where like there were words missing mm. and I'm pulling my hair out because I had this thing professionally edited. So I had to go through and then redo that myself again. I went through and I hit it with a fine tooth comb. I went and bought a new software that'll actually help me do editing. And I, I just decided I got to make sure that I'm always on top of this stuff. So we go through, we finish the audiobook. Um, he sends it all to me. I review every chapter and then I'm like, all right, cool. Here are the places you need to edit. And then I have him do that. Mm. That's his job. That's he's part of the producer. Um, and then I don't know if it happened on his end or if it happened on ACX's end. Um, more likely not ACX's end because I heard everything he submitted. But when it got re-uploaded to ACX, the completed version, I didn't go through and re-listen to that. Right. After the edits, post-edit. And I'm realizing now that's something I need to do. Okay. Even if he made a mistake, it's still not his fault. It's not his product in the end. Mm -hmm. It's my, I'm the guy who's in charge. So we go through and we submit. And then I'm, it was actually Mono, our friend who from uh, college who caught this. Um, I get a text message from her saying, or message from her saying, you know, there's a section in the first chapter where it repeats. And I'm like, <laughs> what? So I go and I'm reading, listening to this thing. And I'm just like, what the hell? I literally went back and I checked the older files that I'd received from him. And that repeat wasn't there. Interesting. So I should have gone through and I should have listened to the post edit. Right. And made sure that was right. Um, I should have gone through and when he submitted the files to ACX, I should have then listened to those files again, but I was tired of listening to the book. I'd already listened to it twice by that point. I wanted to move on to their things. Um, but that ended up creating a product that was not nearly as clean and as polished as it should have been for anyone who was listening to it. And that's my fault. It's not his, it's not my editor's fault. It's my fault because I didn't go through and check that. So if you're going to be an author, if you're going to make audiobooks or anything, you got to treat this like an actual business. If you actually want to be taken, if you actually want to make this as a career, and that means you are the last person you're ultimately responsible. Your podcast, Mitch, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. You got to ride people whenever they're helping you out. You got to make sure they're doing their crap right. Otherwise they screw it up. This is fair. So then, uh, but it's, it's ultimately been fixed by now, right? The, yeah, he, he went through and he fixed it. Um, and this is the reason why I think it was ACX and not him, um, because they screwed it up a second time. Oh, geez. <laughs> so <laughs> he goes through and he fixes it and I'm like, all right, we're good. Nothing bad's going to happen again. And then he resubmits it. And like I said, it's not him. It's, it's gotta be ACX that was screwing this one up. Um, and <laughs> I still don't listen to it again. And it goes back and I, I email ACX afterwards, the guys who, service audible and they're like yeah and now the end cuts off early and i'm like what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> so i go through and i'm like screw it i have him send me his the uh revised edited version again i go through and i listen to every single chapter and then i upload it to acx so i'm hoping third time's the charm <laughs> no you should just keep it as the ending gets cut off, so then people have to go buy the book to get the the final there part. There you go. The, the, the last thirty seconds of chapter one. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that should be half a page, right? Thirty exactly. seconds. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so no, then he, awesome. I don't. Yeah, I don't blame him. Um, I don't think it was him. I think it was ACX is just upload error. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. I assume it's all just either automated or you know a person's just click. Push, click it on through, click it on through kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me. No. Um, well, 
I mean, you, you've, you're talking about both a good experience and a bad experience using, no, it, using not, this. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, 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 I got to experience something that most people don't experience. And when they do experience it, it's what further on in their career. True. When they get a lot more invested and they've got like a huge rollout uh, or they've got like tens of thousands of fans that are downloading it instantly. So no, for me, this was, uh, I now know something that I need to do for all future audiobooks. So this was one hell of a positive experience in the end. So then when can we expect, uh, we can expect Spire and Absolution to be in audiobook form? Spire, Absolution, and The Fall are all going to start in August. He's going to start uh, the Spire in August, but it usually takes about, a, I'm sorry, he's going to start the Spire in July. It usually takes about a month for him to get it all uh, done. And then you're probably looking at about another month for me to polish it up and then for him to do edits and then for ACX to approve it. So probably sometime in August or September is when we'll get the Spire out. And then if we can daisy chain it from there, he's getting pretty busy because he's got a, I mean, it's going to be a little awkward to say this, but he has a, a very, he's got a very nice voice. Mm-hmm. It's very, very deep. I mean, that's to be expected by a person that uses their voice uh, often yeah. for their yeah, livelihood. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't tell him I'm gushing. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um no then we'll hopefully daisy chain them out and we'll get one every month or two after that and we'll finish off the series get all four books out and um don't you check your clock on me don't i'm not check checking the clock I, I was gonna i was gonna look up something but um <laughs> now you made me lose my train of thought <laughs> I hope you feel good about yourself. Okay, so in the the process, Did you say I hope you feel good about yourself. I do. I, I hope you feel good about yourself. That's exactly what I said. Uh, in the process, you you talked about the fact that he emailed you back to be like, "Hey, this doesn't make sense," or you know, "This is yes. missing a word here." Like, how did that go? Like, so he doesn't. He literally reads through it first, and then and then um, says, "Hey, you know, this doesn't make sense." Not so much like I'm just going to read it as is. No. Yeah. He does a. He did a quick. I'm going to assume that every single one of them is going to approach it differently. Um, from what I saw, though, he did a quick read-through of each section prior to reading it. But he did do a read-through. And he then, I assumed, put his script together based on that. Um, I don't know what he did with the fonts or the sizes of that stuff or anything like that. Um, I think every narrator is going to be a little different in that respect. But no, he he constantly communicated with me whenever he had an issue, whenever he had a question. Um, no, he was... He's top-notch and professional. He really is. Um, whenever he did make a mistake or I made a mistake, it wasn't a blame game or getting pissed off at each other thing. We both had a goal to produce a high-quality product, and we achieved that goal eventually. Now, you said he had he had works out previous to this. Did you go and listen to those first before you hired? I did do a little bit of the samples to hear the tone of his voice. Yeah. Did you look for other uh, – not – did you specifically look for voiceover work workers or actors that um, had done sci-fi work before? Well, he does uh, post-apocalyptic. That's what his main focus was. Um, okay. He's trying to branch out a little bit more now. But um, no, honestly, I just put it on there and I select the genre that my book is in. So you did put uh, you had to put a genre of what your book is. Yes, which then helps uh, out voice actors that are like, ah, this is the the genre I'm comfortable in. Yes, absolutely. They go through and then they do their filter searches and they check out what you got. Okay. Is there anything about the process that you would change? I do not know enough right now to say that. I I really don't. It works. It's efficient. Um, Anything that needs changing is more on my end as opposed to ACX's end or his end. Because once again, I'm not experienced enough to be able to tell them how to do this. Um, I, I'm learning this as I go. And like, for example, when it comes to the writing process, I realized that the guy who wrote The Spire was a dumbass <laughs> compared to the guy who's writing The Fall right now. Okay. Uh, the guy who's writing The Fall right now, he, he's way smarter than the guy who wrote The Spire or Apocalypse Dawn. That guy <laughs> couldn't write shit. Um, but the guy who's writing right now is a little bit cleaner, uh, gets rid of a lot of the excess words. Um, I'm sure that the guy who wrote the the spire was so full of optimism and and energy and stuff like that. That's the only difference. And this, the guy who's writing the fall is just beat down. 
No, 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 the guy who wrote the spire is a wanker. Oh, <laughs> a wanker, huh? Yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> I am allowed to cuss on here. I keep forgetting that. Oh, right? Yeah, of course. Cuss how you want. Oh, excellent. It's a fucking T- podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I, I, I won't. I'm not in a place to tell anyone else how to do their jobs yet. Now, maybe after 20 years of doing this and I've got a hundred podcast or a hundred, um, audio books out, 200 audio books out, then yeah, sure. Why not? I, I'll you know what? Like, hey, I'm not saying, know. I'm not saying that you, uh, that you were, you'd be presumptuous enough to be like, this is wrong or anything like that. But just as a newcomer, was there uh, a step of the process that was just like, this doesn't quite make sense to me. Is it this, or this, you know, if, if I had the opportunity, I would have done it this way. No, the the only reason why I say that it's not that I'm um, it's not that I think that you were saying that I was being pre- would be presumptuous. It's more of a I don't know what I don't know. Okay. And ACX has been doing this for ten plus years now. Right. And they've got hundreds of thousands of audiobooks on there, so they must have a process that works. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell them how to be more efficient with it until I know more about the process itself. Does that make any sense? It does. So uh, rather than spend time focusing on ways to ma- help them do their job better, I'm instead focused on ways to help me do my job better. Um, that review process I was telling you about from here on out, no matter what, anytime that audiobook gets changed in any way, shape or form, I have to listen to it again before I do the final submission and approval. And it's going to be me who does the final submission. I'm not going to have somebody else submit it mm-hmm. because if anyone's at fault, it's me and it's always me. So I'm going to have me be the end point. Okay. So it's, it's always me. Let me jump onto the content of the story. How does this differ from Spire? How does, so this, how does Apocalypse okay. Dawn differ from Spire? So at the beginning of the Spire, we see the basically the fall of civilization, but we see it from one small viewpoint and one small, one location, uh, Washington, DC, the capital. And you get this really frenetic, um, energetic action scene. It's, it's, I, I think it's awesome. I think I blow crap up real well. Um, did you smirk? Nope. It's, I saw you smirk. Give <laughs> me a smirk. <laughs> no, so um, I, I got this really frenetic, energetic action scene in the beginning. Um, and I introduced you to some pretty cool characters. I really do. So, that's. I mean, you just you feel like the, the new characters is what, what is going to be the draw. Well, um before I had that awkward pause, which I shouldn't have had. Um, <laughs> no, um, but I, I give you that. I give you a taste in the spire of the end of the world. Right. Um, and then I fast forward you 15 years in the future and I show you what the, the main bad guy, um, Jacob Patterson's entire goal was and why he did what he did. And why are you shaking your head? Because of something we said earlier, but that's okay. Or oh, okay. More, more what I said earlier, but it's okay. Yeah, you 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 smart. I know. Am I copying you? No, I, I, you're not. Just keep going. No, 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 no. We we had covered. No, sorry. <laughs> um, and I show you all that he went or all that he's doing. What his big grand plans were. Why he ended ends the world. Um, I introduce you to his daughter, which is a part of the plans. Um, but I don't really give you a whole lot more other than a little bit of like references on their part as to what happened, how the world actually ends. So I'm going to tell like, you right. this right now. When I read the Spire, I kind of felt like that was refreshing. The fact really? that we I didn't have to live through the actual apocalypse. Like it, it's it's the beginning and then we skipped forward 15 years and it was, you know what? This is how the new world starts. Like, this is the new world as is. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do Apocalypse Dawn. Yes. Uh, more content, more story, more world building. But <laughs> the idea of like, we don't need to rehash rehash the the apocalypse itself because, as we said, every story's already been told, and I've seen a lot of apocalypse yeah. stories. I've seen the 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 end of civilization many times in movies and books at at this point. So, uh, just to see the how how one person is trying to rebuild it, though flawed, uh, was kind of different. Was was interesting. Okay, so I agree with you. I do think I did what you said, though. I think I told that story differently, though, because I have never seen a movie or read a book so far when it comes to the apocalypse where you are getting whacked with death squad, robotic death squads, social media being used to turn everyone against each other, 
and a virus all at the same time. I mean, I see that when I look out my window right now. Oh, yeah, but that's the news, okay? <laughs> I okay. It's not robots, though, so. Yet. Yet. <laughs> it's still halfway through the year, Mitch. <laughs> I know. 2020 is not over. That's fair. Okay. Continue. Um, but, yeah, then I, then I wanted to get into that a little bit more. I wanted to show people how the, the world ends because I, I am that guy who I, – I, one of the mistakes you make as a writer is you write for yourself. Don't ever fucking do that because I did that. Because <laughs> I was like, you know what? I like finding out what led to all this stuff. The whole floating head in Dune really bothered me because I was like, you're talking about this cool thing that occurred, this robot revolution. Show me the robot revolution. I want to see this. I don't want a stupid thing about worms, crap, and sand. Uh, <laughs> dude, Frank Herbert's a way better author than I will ever be, so I'm, I'm Well, fine. it wasn't Frank Herbert. It was the David Lynch's movie, so you could... This is true. I haven't actually seen... Or Yeah, you're right. There you go. Yeah. After I watched the movie Dune, I was like, I don't need to read the book now, and I should probably read the book eventually. <laughs> Your at some book point. would be different, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so no, I was like, all right, let's explore that a little bit, and then I'll continue with um, Maria Patterson and Jacob Patterson's story and Absolution, um, which I recently published that one too. And then we'll get that futuristic, um, how does his entire plan end kind of thing and why, how did his machinations come to unravel or end or just complete? Um, but yeah, with Apocalypse Dawn, it was, it was an attempt to show what was going on earlier. Plus, one of the things I was worried about with Aspire was you might not be able to connect with the the story overall because, I mean, once again, there's no robots outside in the streets. Um, there's how many people can really relate to a extremely wealthy, well-educated young girl? Um, how many people have a megalomaniac father who runs a robotics company? Um, but with Apocalypse Dawn, though, I made sure that I was going to focus on people. I was going to focus on, I keep the threat of family going and really emphasize that in Apocalypse Dawn. So I set it up so the two main characters were both just trying to save their families. And they weren't like spec ops guys or uh, spies or really rich or powerful. They were just average everyday government workers who were just they had to make a decision. Do I try to protect my nation or do I try to protect my family when all this crap is happening? Well, just just know that when it gets turned into the movie, it will be a ex Navy SEAL played by Jason Statham who did just become a government paper pusher and no one knew that he used to be super kick-ass just just so you know how much money do i get for the option oh you're the you're the writer of the of the yeah. the original well, no, source for the ip for the yeah for the IP. nothing that, that's right <laughs> you get nothing then i care <laughs> <laughs> they're throwing out some numbers and i'll tell you when i stop <laughs> okay fair i have no idea i have no idea how, how well those deals play i'm sure i mean pen, plenty of people sell their ip so it's it's got to be lucrative to some point Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I, don't I really do. <laughs> uh, I don't write this for integrity reasons. That, 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 this is a you know you you jest you make these jokes, but you, you're one of the most intelligent people I know, especially when it comes to uh, this kind of subject. So uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we got into that last time, but I mean, you were a poli sci major. You you graduated with a degree in political science, and and though this has a very heavy science fiction curve, it is all the your books all revolve around the idea of political science and how we exist in the world and how uh, the engineering of the world can make it so that we have a better one or not a better one. Yeah. So. No, it's, that's the reason why science fiction is awesome. I mean, it can literally – good science fiction always covers social issues. Mm-hmm. It tries to relate to the people. Um, that's the reason why – I'm not writing a post-apocalyptic uh, novel. I'm not writing um, – yeah, I'm not just writing a post-apocalyptic novel. Those ones are just all about blowing people up, eating people, um, surviving by yourself, which uh, those are good books, but they're – they're very repetitive and they're the same. It's just, yeah, it's a different coat of paint on a different, or it's a different coat of paint on the same book. Right. Um, but with sci-fi though, you get the chance to explore issues that relate to society, that relate to the future, that relate to how we interact with the world around us. So that's why I love sci-fi. Yeah. The idea that 
we can show with thought how, how you can extrapolate from the decisions that we're making right now in real life, how going forward, we can take a look at the, a snapshot of the future and how that will all play out, so to speak, right? Like you can say, if we don't take care of the earth now, we all end up in outer space like the expanse, right? Like kind of thing. It's yeah. if, if you don't, yeah. Anyways. So oh, no, 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 I, I get that. Well, using the expanse as the example, um, if you treat your colonies like colonies for their entire existence and you never give them a pathway to actually become equal members in society, then they eventually break away mm-hmm. like Mars does and forms their own government, which then becomes a rival to you. Uh, hell, if the British had just given us the ability to vote, they'd probably still be the British Empire today and God only knows how different things would be. <laughs> so let let me get into that. In the state of our world at the mo- very moment, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are in the middle of protests. We are in the middle of, uh, you know, what could be perceived as a police state. Like how much of this these current events will go into writing your neck project? Um, so with the fall um my goal with apocalypse dawn was to be not as political because the spires well not political um the spire is like much larger in thought process and the, the issues it touches on my goal with apocalypse dawn was to make it a little smaller a little easier to digest my goal with the fall which just to mess with people's brains is going to become book two and the spire will become book three because i'm still i'm building <laughs> the ship as i go damn it um is to give them a slightly larger piece of thought. So it's not just blowing stuff up. There's a, there's a couple more ideas that are more embedded in there. So yeah. Um, one of the first chapters literally has one of the main characters ripping this protester, a new asshole, because he's not just, uh, he's not just protesting. He's burning down buildings. He's causing problems and damaging property. And the per- the main character takes him to task and they're like, look, protesting is fine. Protest. But protest with that organization afterwards is nothing. It's just waste because you're if unless you're changing the guys who made these corrupt laws, who are denying others equality, unless you get rid of those people, your protests mean nothing. You burning down uh, AutoZone or Target means nothing unless you're actually getting rid of the guys who caused this whole problem. And the only way, or there's only two ways to do that. And the preferred method is in November's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other method is you go get some long stretch of rope and you hope that you live and they don't. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's the, the path of the riot in the long run. So yeah. get pissed off. It's either, it's either uh, a coup at the ballot box or... It's a coup violence, on the streets. Right? Yeah, yeah and I, I prefer ballot box. That's, that's So do I. Yeah. <laughs> So he takes that guy to task, but at the same time, later on, um, that same character gets pissed off at his uncle because his uncle is basically getting suckered by this mega church that's taking people's donations. Um, it's not an attack on Christianity or anything like that, but it's an attack on how people allow themselves to be fooled by those that are obviously not looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves, but they, they say the things you want to hear. They, or the people that take advantage exactly um so and he's a the main character in this next one's a christian too but he's he's more like a he's more like a traditional christian he's got he's got a nice little church they have potato bakes they they do food drives they they're never going to be like rocking out christian hardcore rock music and their brand new appointed auditorium with their preacher who's rocking around wearing armani does that make any sense no that makes a lot of sense I try to compare those two things too. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to baby step people towards the big ideas of the spire. Mm-hmm. by giving that bridge with this new book. So I like this. It, what it seems like, <laughs> what seems like the spire is a large celestial, uh, like object and all these other books, instead of like saying that they are the first book in the series or the second book, they're all kind of orbiting around the spire like the idea is that these are all complementary to what is the actual story in the in the the main book 
The first two, definitely, yeah. Okay. Well, they're they're all orbiting around uh, a couple major themes, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that is a very interesting way to to go about telling the story. Like, I I dig that. I guess is the best way to, for yeah. my '70s self to say it. Dude, <laughs> '70s is the last time we had peace. No I'm joking. <laughs> uh, okay. Real talk. We've been in the we've been in the middle uh, of a pandemic. We're talking for reals. We're talking for reals. We've been in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you've been quarantining yourself with your and your family. <laughs> isolation, isolation. I should say, not not quarantine. Um, what have you? What have you, is has have you been finding it better for writing or worse? Way worse. Really? So you, Way worse. So you're not able to get those ideas down on paper. I. Uh, I get maybe like what you and I are doing right now, mm-hmm. carving this hour out. This is rare. It's extremely rare. Like I had, to, um, the wife's got her much, much more successful home business or personal business that she runs. I don't want to say home because then people think it's like small. It's, it's pretty, it's impactful. Okay. Um, so she gets, she has to get priority no matter what. So I'm on daddy daycare time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, I love my twins. I do, <laughs> but they are equal parts evil and adorable. And they are, and you've seen them <laughs> extremely adorable. Yes, they are extremely adorable. Which should tell you how fucking evil they are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have to be like all children have to be adorable or else you wouldn't have more. <laughs> the human race would have ended by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, there's there's no. I, I I get a little bit of time in the morning, and I get a little bit of time in the evening after I've cleaned up after the tornado the, that they are, um, and I spend some time with the wife. And, and yeah, I, I, if if I'm typing fast enough, which I'm I'm pretty fast typer, and I I don't have I don't have a lot of like what is it. Um, Hell, the term for dry, I'm, I'm forgetting the word now. Uh, dry spells when okay. it comes to writing. I mean, What's you, the, it's it's a it's a it's wellspring. You you have all those, and they're all sitting there right at the surface. You just yeah. need to put them down. I just got to get the time to get them down. Uh, when we first moved to the new house, um, we had we weren't taking them to preschool, so I was taking them over to the the local gym we've got has this little um, place for kids to play. And this was right before the pandemic hit. Right. And I would be like, all right, guys, go play. I'm going to sit out here. Daddy's going to sit out here. He's not going to actually work out. He's going to type. And I'd get like in two hours, like an hour and a half, I'd get like 4,000 words written. So it's it, I can type. But the question is, do I have the time and do I have the energy at the time? Mm. Because, good God, they are intense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and during the time of isolation and p- pandemic, you're also coming up with things for them to do you're coming up with uh learning experiences and i mean you laugh but i see it on on the on the social medias you're doing stuff with them you're teaching them stuff you're you're making sure they they're learning something so i don't know how well that's working <laughs> i mean maybe they're not learning it at the moment but i'm it's all making an impression uh i don't know how many times we're like what's this letter they'll be like t and i'm like that's an o <laughs> <laughs> It's literally the first letter in your name, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, oh man, their teacher sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. No. Uh, well, I mean, that, and that was another thing, like being coming from a, a career of being a teacher. Like, how much did that influence uh, your writing? Um. So the oh, hell. Um, the reason why I began with teacher was because, uh, the family is always, my family is always about social, um, not social participation work. We give back to society. Like I've got a long line of people in my family that are from the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, she worked for the military my aunt worked for the military. My uncle was in the military. I'm just, I have been, it's been beaten into me that you give back to the community. You work with your community somehow, some way, but just be a part of it. So when the time came for me to choose a career path, um, you and I were hanging out at this time, but at that point, um, I could join the military, which I hated freaking Bush at that point. Mm-hmm. I had my falling out with the conservative movement because they gave him, I, I'm hardcore conservative for a while there too. 
Um, but all the lies that he did about WMD, the war in Iraq, the fact that he started that war and sucked away soldiers from Afghanistan when we should have been taking care of that. Um, I, I just, I was like, I'm not going to join the military and serve a president that I don't support that I, I, I I'm not going to go get a bullet in my ass. So that way this guy can get more money in his pocketbook and pad the pocketbooks of his friends. That's not going to happen. I mean, I heard that was a million dollar wound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wouldn't have been. Um, so, yeah. Then when I had to make a new decision, it was okay, become a police officer in our hometown, or become a teacher. I put in applications at both at the same time. So honestly, it's not so much that it's not so much that me being a teacher influenced the writing. It was just the the general thought process of who I was supposed to be as a human being influenced where I was going to be working. And that's just carried through. There's a reason why in Apocalypse Dawn, I make all of the heroes, all the good guys, government workers. Because those people give everything every damn day. Mm-hmm. And contractors too. <laughs> throw that out there. For anybody who doesn't know, he's referring to me because I am a DOD contractor. <laughs> Making America safe again. Sure. <laughs> you with the blowing shit up. <laughs> And moving on to the next subject. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, I wanted to make sure that people understood that these are just regular human beings. I, I grew up in a family that was all about conspiracy theories. And whenever you challenge those conspiracy theories, they came up with another conspiracy theory. And even when they were wrong, they never admitted it. But at the center of all those conspiracy theories were government workers. Guys are just working to feed their families, take care of themselves, and serve their communities. So I wanted to make sure that they were the heroes in Apocalypse Dawn. So when you read Apocalypse Dawn or listen to it on Audible, you're going to hear two government workers just trying to take care of their families, just regular everyday everyday people. Okay. Tangent. Done. done. What, what, What have you been able to consume while in isolation. Oh, for content? Yeah. Um, when I'm not reviewing my audiobook for quality issues that I should have caught the first time, shame on me, um, I'm usually listening to other audiobooks. I have no time to actually read, like actually read, read, which makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I have time to read, that's the time I should be using to write. Um, so usually when I'm in the car, I've got my Bluetooth on. I'm listening to right now um, Craig Allenson's Expeditionary Force. That guy writes one hell of a good book. He's got amazing character interactions. Um, yeah, if you, if any of your listeners love science fiction, um, listen to the Expeditionary Force books because that guy, he's got this amazing voiceover artist. His name's R.C. Bray. Um, and that guy really brings the books to life. The way it's written and the way the narrator delivers it, it's just, it's, you don't even realize it. You don't even realize you're listening to a story anymore. You're just in it. Um, TV wise, um, watching mean, a lot of Word World. What kind of world? Word World. Word World. Don't know what you're talking about. Welcome to the world. Word World. Nope. No, no. On PBS Kids? Yeah, no. heard of it before? Ah, oh, kids. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, kids, you should just check that out. Should I? Yeah, it's actually, believe it or not, there are actually some pretty funny jokes in there for adults. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, being, being your friend and, and seeing your Facebook and your wife's Facebook, I, I know of one show that you guys are just finished or. Oh, Madam Secretary. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're, we're on the second to last season of that. That show is amazing. Okay. I freaking love that show. That's the one with Tia Leone, right? Yes, Tia Leone. Uh, um, um, how do you pronounce her first name? Tia or Taya? Taya. Yeah. Okay. Um, she was the one that was married to the company, right? Correct. Okay. That didn't work out well, did it? Uh, I mean, I don't know how unwell it worked out. I just know okay. that it didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to talk about his problems. Do um, you, do you, so with the idea of creating, uh, when you're writing, do you find it as, as you no longer have the desire to take in other content or you just, is it just be solely because you don't have the time? Don't have the time. That's all it is. I mean, I, I love Madam Secretary, Okay. but I can watch Madam Secretary 
or I can write. Right. And I, I watch as much as I can with the wife, but there are some days where it's just like I can watch one with her or I can go and write afterwards or I can watch two with her and I get nothing done. And the only way this business is going to survive, I get content out. Is that, that not a show that you feel like you can sit there and write while you're I, watching? I don't do that. Like I can't like my kids when they're watching word world, uh-huh. I can't not watch it. Okay. Like for, I am absolute freaking squirrel. <laughs> if it's moving, if it's making noise, I'm watching it. I'm finding my eyes got glide up to it. Uh, so no, I, I can't do, I, you, I give my complete focus to everything. Okay. So I can't divide it up like that. Um, uh, I just watched Code 8 because of your amazing podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, that was good. I actually liked that a lot. How, how do you how do you feel like that holds up to a, not post-apocalyptic, but just a... Dystopia? A, yeah, I mean, I mean, for some people, it's obviously a dystopia in the in the story, but for yeah. other people, it's it's not. I mean, how do you feel it, it, it holds up to a future scenario? I, I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I nothing in there was unbel- um, outside of the realm of belief. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we had bipedal law enforcement officers in the future that were robotic. Wouldn't surprise me if we had more drones. In fact, I'm surprised we don't have more drones now in uh, police departments. Okay, I I I'm honestly was just curious. No, I wasn't trying to sway you one way or the other. I just from no, that's exactly what I thought. Mitch. I know, I know. Because you always look at the negative, so that's Correct just the you. way you are. Correct. No. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no. I'll go for it, buddy. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. I, I think they did a really good job with it. I think they added enough detail in there that they didn't necessarily overtly explain to make it feel like a real lived-in universe. Very cool. Um, what about you? What did you think? I mean, I loved it. I, I was so happy that I was able to reach out to the writer and and get get him to come on and talk about uh, about the story and the journey it was to get it onto Netflix, get a movie made in Netflix. So there was the the short that was released on YouTube first. This I think it's about nine minutes long. Uh, st- still starring Robbie Amell, but somewhat of a different, a little bit of a different story. I think the story's just changed a little bit, but you know. You guys were discussing that in the podcast, too. We were, yeah. We did. We do, so. Um, give oh, me... Uh, upload. I recently watched Upload, too. Did you? Because of your podcast and, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Upload? That was fun. It was hilarious. <laughs> what do you think about that scenario? Well, I mean, obviously, they're going to the extremes for... No, I just mean the, 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 the scenario of, of uploading consciousness. Like, what do you think of that sci-fi idea? <sighs> I, I've never liked that idea because you're putting a lot of faith in whoever controls the hardware. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you don't to, know if it's actually you that comes out on the other end. Oh, I, I solely believe that it's never going to be you. As soon yeah. as, as soon as, even if you map your your brain waves, it's still a computer program thinking that it's a person. Yeah, however, they, they control the hardware. I mean, they could make you into whatever or make you do whatever. However, I think I, I do want to bring up, and I don't feel it's spoilers. Um, if it is, go ahead and stop me. But the idea of you know putting the consciousness, a backup memory into a clone body, is something that happens in uh, Absolution. Like, what? How do you? F- how do you feel that differs from the hardware to a, a clone body? Because it still has to pass through a computer. So the guy, the guy who does that is in control of the hardware. And he wouldn't change himself. Does that make any sense? Yeah. This individual is capable enough to design and create the hardware himself mm-hmm. and then transfer himself. So that way, I don't think that's any... For me, For me, the whole issue with, like, with upload, you're being uploaded to a server. That's right. all it is. Right. You're being uploaded to a big server. And you have to hope that when they were processing you, they didn't tweak your code if you will mm-hmm. um, whereas with this he's kind of like in uh, Demolition Man where they tweak the code and now he's a seamstress or yes yeah. <laughs> yes exactly um, he was in cryosleep wasn't he yeah he's in cryosleep and oh, okay. basically a sub a subliminal message that would teach him how to be a seamstress to focus his aggressive <laughs> behavior into a, another positive way 
God, that movie was amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but with um, the character you're referring to, they were in charge of the process the entire time. Mm-hmm. They would never let anyone else be in charge of that process for the fear that I brought up a moment ago. But would that person fear that it still wasn't the original him? Like it wasn't your, it's not your brain, it's your brain pattern, but it's not you. No, uh, the, the reason why was because the brain, um, when the upload occurs, when the transfer of consciousness occurs, if you will, basically what's happening is the neural pathways in the clone brain are being designed to match the neural pathways in the original brain. Uh, original brain. So it's basically just a photocopy. It's the same thing. Um, all he's doing is just transferring the electrical signals, if you will, the data to a different device. Okay. So honestly, you're you're probably right if you say it's not somebody and not the same person, but you're probably right if you say it is the same person because we're going to that metaphysical realm where you can argue it is or you can argue it isn't. And <laughs> you're both equally right. Fair. Okay. As far as that character was concerned, it was him. I mean, because it, it would be a character that wouldn't be concerned with quote unquote a soul. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, they were raised Catholic. Right. So they Catholic guilt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, they, they, they weren't worried about that. Or they would, um, I don't bring that up in the third book in Absolution, but they they would say that the soul isn't necessarily bound to one body or something like that, if they did believe in the soul. Okay. I like that. Give my listeners that haven't had a chance to read the book but want to listen to the audiobook, the elevator pitch for Apocalypse Dawn. Damn. <laughs> um, you edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have two men who are thrown into a situation that is beyond their ability to control. But at the heart of it, they have to ask themselves, how do I save my family from this? How can I, with all this crap that's happening around us, all these events that I have no ability to influence one way, shape, or form, how can I save my family from this? Um, So Apocalypse Dawn is literally just that story. Yes, it is a science fiction story. Yes, I do sprinkle some information or some uh, thoughts in there about tribalism, Um, but ultimately it's a story about family. And how do you, in a world that you have no power over, protect that family? There you go. It's available on Audible right now. Go and listen to it. What's the price? Uh, It depends on what you are. Um, So if you're outside of the Audible network, it's like 20 bucks somewhere around there. If you're a member, I think it's around $13. But if you would like if you do not have an Audible subscription yet and you haven't had one in the past, you can actually get the book for free by signing up for an Audible subscription. There you go. So if you don't have an Audible uh, subscription account, sign up for one, get uh, Apocalypse Done for free yep. and enjoy it. Make sure you reach out to Peter and talk to him. You can find him on Facebook. Peter F. Smith author uh, is his talk Facebook way too much. So go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, not not Mitch. Mitch is good. <laughs> uh, make sure to also uh, review his book. Go go on uh, Amazon and and write a review of of the book after you buy it. I'm sure oh, he you can leave it on Audible right there. Boom. Or you can leave it on Audible. I'm I'm saying if you buy the paperback or you buy the All Kindle right. version, go on there. I'm sure he'll be okay with you writing a great review if you don't buy the actual book too. Uh, well, you know it's. <laughs> <laughs> You, you do you. I can't say anything about that because the Amazon police will come after me. Then don't um, do that. Make sure you definitely buy a copy of the book. Exactly. Exactly. And be, be as honest as you want. You guys tell me what you want and then I, I can't go and rewrite the book. But in subsequent books, you can be sure that if I hear enough people saying the same thing, you'll probably start hearing that or start reading that. And then we're all going to be happy once it becomes a, a new Netflix show. So... Uh, make me sure the to most. <laughs> no, the most. me the most. Don't worry. It's going to be me the most. Uh, Peter, is there any well, other, uh, social media or websites or anything you'd like to give out? 
peterfsmithauthor.com. You can go there if you'd like. Um, that's going to get a pretty decent overhaul in the well, we're already in the summer, aren't we? Um, in August, after I finish book four, um, because I got to start getting the next series out, Valkyrie. Can't wait to read it all. Okay, so uh, if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekleetmedia.com. If you'd like to give us a rate and review on whatever podcatcher you use, we'd greatly appreciate it and help spread the word of our podcast. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast.